0: Two weeks ago, I, I think when we first started into the the disciples' prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, more, more usually, I said I want to encourage you to just kind of make that your prayer every day. If you hit the floor or when you crash for the rest of the night, uh, just offer that. But we don't often pray that together. Um, some churches where that's a part of their liturgy, their process. They'll they'll use that and uh, and incorporate that into the service. But we don't often do that. So what I'd like to do today is uh, give you the opportunity to just pray that together. Okay? And I know that it's kind of, it might be a little rusty, but that's okay. I think it'll probably, you'll be surprised how much you might remember. Uh, And whenever the Lord's Prayer is used, some churches use the word trespasses, and some people use some churches use the word debts. So we get to the part where it says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We'll get to that message at some point in time, but that's we use trespasses today instead of debts and debtors. Okay, and then we'll talk about that. So so I just want to invite you to just pray the Lord's Prayer with me. I'll start and I'm going to, I'll just leave the microphone, it might be easier. So let's, let's pause for prayer and pray that Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a familiar prayer. And uh, we say familiarity breeds contempt. But I don't want us to get contempted at all uh, when we come to that uh, Lord's Prayer. Um, So today, uh, we looked at the Our Father concept uh, a couple weeks ago now, and a message with the title, I call him Daddy. And the word for Father there is Abba, and it's an intimate term. It's a, it's, it's a warm, fuzzy term, if you will. Uh, not stern, kind of angry Father, but one who just has arms open and is welcoming you in. And when we say our Father, we acknowledge the sense of community in prayer. It's our Father. together. And then when we say our Father, we're talking about accessibility to God, you know. And when we say, hallowed be your name, we're talking about the authority that comes, the kingdom of heaven coming on earth, the, the will of God to be done. So I want to come to that second phrase, which is part of verse 10, which is verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> this is a particular part of the prayer that I, th- I believe can be life-altering. It can turn your world upside down, or better express, right side up. If we get the concept of the kingdom, that it is his kingdom that is to come, not my kingdom that I've been trying to build. And so I I want us to get a hold of that. There are several pieces to successfully praying the Lord's Prayer. Now, I mentioned two weeks ago that the, the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer, if we would call it that, is really for Christians. It's for people who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe in God and the expression of God's love in the person of Jesus Christ who died for our sins. It is for those who name the name of Christ. The recitation of the Lord's Prayer isn't going to get you into heaven just because you use the words. It's got to be on the basis of a relationship with him. So uh, it's that whole concept of prayer. Now, again, keep in mind, this is a prayer. Someone has said that prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. Prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. It is our weakness leaning in God that gets us into relationship with him. And then we begin to just open our hearts. And with words we say, our father, my father, hallowed be your name. Let your name be holy. Let your kingdom come. So let's look at that, that couple pieces. First piece is the concept of the kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. I don't know if we we don't talk about kingdoms in our our country very much uh you know you can you can go to other places where the kingdom concept is a little bit more predominant and uh, so uh when that kingdom concept is predominant it's a place where there is a king who rules in that geographic area that's his domain that's his place, and it may be because it's a family business that's been passed on, passed on kind of along all, all, the way. But the concept of the kingdom for us has simply got to be one of those places where we understand uh, it is an area, it's the arena in which God intersects mankind and allows his purposes to be accomplished on earth just as it is done in heaven. And there are several words that I want to give with you that are part of the concept of the kingdom. The first is the centrality of the kingdom and that in the life and ministry of Jesus. When Jesus comes to this earth um, He comes He comes with the an agenda, with a purpose, Uh, and it's not to build his kingdom. It's to build the kingdom of God. There are two phrases that are often used in the Gospels to describe this kingdom. In the the Gospel of Matthew, it's more often reported as the kingdom of heaven, and that was because he's writing to a Jewish audience, and, and that kind of concept might connect better with them. In the other Gospels, it's often translated kingdom of God. Um, there, are, there, are, there are books that have been written about this kingdom and describing it, trying to define it and understand what it's all about. Uh, John Bright, a classic writer, wrote about the kingdom of God. Uh, George Eldon Ladd wrote a book, Jesus and the Kingdom, in which he talks about the, how, the implications of what that meant for the day in Jesus when Jesus walked this earth, and then what happens down the road? Um, th- there was a fellow who was involved, uh, founded the prison uh, prison fellowship, named Charles Colson, used to be the hatchet man for Richard Nixon. If you're old enough to remember Richard Nixon, I, 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 well, some might. Anyway, be that as it may, uh, don't know, I, I, I'm looking. I'm trying to look all over the place. i just, I'm an equal opportunity looker. Uh, so, 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 but he wrote a book called In Conflict. Uh, so, it, really, when we're talking about kingdoms, we really are talking about a variety of kingdoms going on. This is the kingdom of God. Let the let your kingdom come, and it's not the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of the enemy that's in opposition and conflict with that, but it's his kingdom coming, it's the centrality in Luke 4. Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. He comes with a purpose. In Matthew 4, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. There's Matthew's concept of the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. In the gospel of John chapter 18, he uh, you read this. Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place." And so he's talking not about establishing an earthly kingdom so much right here now, but a place in which he can reign in the hearts and minds of people, and, they, and that he can, that kingdom can be internalized by us. It's the kingdom of God because it's wrapped around the person of Christ. It's central to his teaching. And it's a durable kingdom, another part of the concept of the kingdom. Uh, In Luke 1, when we're talking about the early birth narrative stuff of Jesus. in, In chapter 1, verse 33, it says, His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. An unshakable kingdom. In other words, despite the trauma and turmoil and troubles of the world, it does not alter the kingdom's work and purpose. God still is in control. He still is working out his plan and purpose at least in the hearts of people who are opening their heart to him. He may not accomplish it uh, in a large-scale kind of thing in terms of a nation that becomes Christian and suddenly becomes hot for God and moving toward God. That would be delightful. That would be wonderful. But it may not happen. But that does not preempt or preclude him working in your heart and my heart to establish his reign and his rule. And he's not not a tyrant that comes to us. not, Not one who comes and says, this is what you're going to do, like it or not. So buck up, bud. That's not the way that he approaches it. He's a benevolent king. Benevolent king who comes to us and discloses his heart and purpose there. It's a durable kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about the direction of that kingdom. What is it that God is intending to do? History uh, 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 takes on meaning and purpose. It becomes his story in that, and that's that's what happens when when we discover the purpose that God has for us individually to be part of that kingdom, to be members of that rule and reign of God. When we move into that realm ourselves. Then his story, uh, history becomes his story for us. And he works in us. He comes with meaning and purpose. This kingdom is not just, oh, I wonder what it's going to be. Coming up <laughs> coming up this morning or listening to some of the ra- radio. And they were, you know, again, it's, every time you turn the radio, and some of this stuff is a lot of politics. And somebody's unhappy about one thing or another all the time. It seems like you can never, never please people. And so this particular commentator was talking about, well, they were always crabbing about Trump because they didn't have any policy for the rollout of the COVID. And he said the COVID answer is wear the masks and get the, get the uh, inoculation when it becomes more available now. So they said, well, Biden's coming in. What's his plan? Biden's plan is wear the mask and get the inoculation when it comes about. It's a- and so they were criticizing the new president because his plan wasn't any different. And he thought, he thought he ought to have something souped up or something. It seems like there's always somebody that's unhappy about the whole process. But there's meaning and purpose to this kingdom. It's not purposeless. God, God never is wondering, sitting up on his throne in heaven saying, huh, I wonder what I should do next. It's always a function of I have sent my son to redeem mankind and bring them back to to be part of the, the, the big picture church of every kingdom and tribe and nation and people in order to establish his rule and reign. That's the direction that that kingdom goes in, this concept of the kingdom to Jesus. And then, There's the piece also of the cause of the kingdom. In Luke 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. You can give yourself to any number of causes in our world. and They are noble. They can be missions. They can, they can be homeless shelters. They can be pregnancy centers. They can be any number of very good organizations that, that serve in terms of a particular cause. But the cause of God is greater than all of those practical expressions. Certainly those practical expressions are important. But the cause of his kingdom is so that there will be much more that we will experience in terms of God's blessing in this age and the age to come eternal life. The actions of many people have no other explanation than that. Why would somebody give their life to to do some of the stuff that people do? Why would, you can go back a long ways in history, uh, why would a guy like Jim Elliott go to a, a South American jungle and attempt to try to win a particular people group only to experience martyrdom? he and several other people. Why, why would Nate Saint, would do? Well, why would a guy like him do that? There's no explanation why they would do that, except they believe that that cause that they have committed their life to is greater than any human earthly cause, and so they give themselves to that end. There's no other explanation for why people would choose to do such things. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But one of the things we have to always get a handle on is when we make that prayer, when we say, "Let your kingdom come, let your will be done." When we say that, when we pray, "Your kingdom come," we must also pray, "My kingdom go." And sometimes we don't hear that a lot. Sometimes we we come in the with the with the desire to have a, an inclusivity, and uh, you can believe whatever you want, and that's fine. Or we can, or we can accommodate Christianity to a, a little compartment in our world. So we have our family life and our financial life, and we have our uh, employment life, and business life, and we have, we have all these buckets, compartments, our social life, and we put. Christianity or, or religion in one of those buckets. And we say, well, at least they've got some spiritual interest. Uh, it, it's, 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 not, it's not a spoke on the wheel. It's the hub. It's the thing that's at the center in terms of this kingdom. It's the thing that moves us along into all those other areas. But sometimes we have a hard time praying, my kingdom go. Because much of our life is spent around Building our little kingdom, you know, and and, it, it, and building a life for yourself isn't a bad thing for sure. It's better than being aimless, purposeless. But but if you're all about building your kingdom, you're more interested in, in with them, What's in it for me? Just you know, just I gotta I gotta keep getting around me to make sure I have enough, and I gotta keep people from getting near to that. And I don't want to, we we start building, focusing in on ourselves. The kingdom of God is much bigger than that, and it's got to be one of those things where we say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. And in order for that to happen, I've got to let my kingdom go and allow God to work in and through me. I I use the concept or a, a thought here in terms of kingdom prayer circles. Um, I, a number uh, uh, probably sometime I've prob- I know I've said this with sometime within the last two years I've been hanging around but you may not have heard so indulge me one more time there's a there's a, poet, a fellow by the name of Edwin Markham who wrote this little poem it's, it's helpful I think <clears throat> it says this he drew a circle that shut me out heretic rebel a thing to flout, but love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. And the kingdom concept of kingdom circles is all about drawing those circles, a, a, a circle around your own heart. Not that not that that's the important part, but, but you know, unless you get your, your stuff together, you're not going to be a much help to somebody else, you know. Uh, you got to get your act together. So you, you draw that kingdom around the circle of your own world and you say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come here. I want you to rule and reign in my life. And then and then you extend the circle out maybe to your family. And it's a children or it's a mom and dad or it's aunts, uncles, nieces, wh- however big your circle you want to make it, where you start to Circles around them and you cover them in prayer. And your prayer is, Lord, I can't make a decision for them, but I long for your kingdom to come in their life, in their world. Would you, would, you, would you let heaven invade earth in their kingdom, in their realm, so that they understand the truth of who you are and embrace you, fully come to know you, more so than I have come to know you. Prayer is that circle. And then maybe that prayer would include your church, people that aren't blood. Although some churches, there's a lot of intermarriage that goes on, and and you can have a church that's all family-related, whatever that is. But but it's to include people who are not of your biological family, but who become people just like family and even better than family at times along the way. And you draw another circle and you say, I want to include those folks. And the so, Lord, let your kingdom come. And you pray for one another by name. And you ask God for his kingdom to invade their heart. And when I say invade, I don't mean he comes and forces his way, but that there would be an openness of heart. They would allow God to come in and connect with them. And then you can make a circle all the way around the world. So there's a book written by uh, Patterson uh, called uh, Circle Maker. It, it just talks about just kind of building, drawing circles around people, making circles around them to, to incorporate them, to bring in uh, circles of influence that we have. In all of this, when we talk about prayer, uh, this concept of the kingdom, Intercession, where we pray for people, on behalf of people, is not optional. We've kind of relegated prayer to, yeah, okay, it's one of the activities. You Prayer's got to permeate all the things that we do, it's of extreme importance. One man said, you call it correct, in calling prayer a labor for which there is no substitute in the kingdom of God, the most important work we have to do. We can establish it in terms of a core value of the alliance. We say prayer is the primary work of the people of God. But sometimes we forget that. And we forget that. And so, and so Zoom prayer meetings are unattended because we don't believe that corporate prayer is really going to help us all that much. Or maybe we're too busy. Or maybe uh, my intent is not to impose guilt here, but only to invite you To be part of a praying community because that intercession is not optional. It's a part of a community. One person said, God takes immediate cognizance, therefore, of man's prayer in his government of the world. Something does take place as a result of man's prayer, which otherwise would not take place. In fact, as we have seen, man's prayer is one of the most effective means by which God directs the world forward towards its goal, the kingdom of God, and that prayer has got to be. We got to pray that, and when we pray, "Your kingdom come," there. I think there are several things that are related to that, or they're hooked onto that. And this isn't on on the slide stuff. So just listen real good for a minute, okay? And capture. First, we pray for the final and ultimate establishment of God's kingdom. If your hope was on a donkey or an elephant this year, and you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, um, remember this: God is bigger than donkeys and elephants. He, he just He just is much bigger, and His kingdom purpose is far greater than. That. We pray for the day when all of creation is going to freely call him dearest Abba Father. There's almost a martial, triumphant sense when we pray, your kingdom come, come, O Lord. And as this church moves ahead in its preferred future, there must be that sense of, God, we need your kingdom to come here in this place, in this block, in this neighborhood, South Wilkesboro, North Wilkesboro, all of Wilkesboro, embracing even little old Scranton, which I don't know if it's up or down. But the point is, it's just out there, and just a part of the extended kingdom of God. When we pray that that final, and ultimate establishment of God's kingdom, when we pray, Your kingdom come. We, we do that so we will be conformed to his will in this world and as we pray this we hand ourselves over to the grace of god so that he can do with us as he pleases your kingdom come in my life use me for your kingdom in the things that god has given you to do you touch you touch people i don't touch your your circles are a different spots if I was located here, maybe they'd intersect a bit. But, but the, the kingdom of God for me down in Harrisburg in this season of our life is just people all around. It's the people that walk by with their dogs, and I know their dogs' names, but I don't know their names. It's, it's you know, you, you just you see it's a variety of folks. And so there are times when I pray, Dear Lord. Give me opportunity to pray for that, that gal that walks with that German shepherd or that gal that walks with that little corgi or that one that's wrestling with a bichon. I can understand that one. Uh, but, but you know, you, you're praying that God will just increase his kingdom work in that. Let your kingdom come, that he will rule and will reign through us. It's a prayer for Christ to work His revolutionary power in a fallen world that has no hope apart from what his kingdom will be able to do. May it come in my family, in my job, in my city, in my nation. That's the concept of the kingdom that Jesus says, this is what I came to do, this is what I came to do. I want to talk then about the second piece, which is the reign of the kingdom. R-E-I-G-N, not talking about Peter patter stuff. We're talking about the reign of God, the reign of the kingdom. Your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there are four things related to this real quick. And here they are. This prayer addresses, first of all, the issue of control. Control. We are people who like to maintain control. If at all possible, we will fight for that. Uh, There was a lady across the street. Her name is Betty from us. Two houses over. 95 years old. Still driving. And when she was driving, when she would go by, I would pray, Oh, God, watch over her and watch out for those people that she's coming after. Well, finally, the state came along and said, Betty, can't do this anymore. You know, your vision's really bad. And But she fought to keep that thing as long as she possibly could. And here a few months ago, finally said, yeah, I guess they're right. So now the neighbors just kind of pick up Betty and take her where she needs to go and do what she needs to do. And she's long since sold her car Uh little old Honda that must have been about a 1960-something or other because you had it forever. And uh, so, be that as it may, maintaining control is an important thing. We just long to do that. I want to control my world. But prayer that addresses that issue answers this question. Do I believe that God knows best? Do I believe that God knows best? And when I can relinquish control, and say, your will be done on earth, I'm beginning to get an answer to that question because I believe God is in control. This prayer addresses the issue of trust as well. Trusting people. I heard that mentioned when we talked about the individual that was building relationships with homeless people. They trust him. And so when what this prayer your will be done addresses that issue of trust does God really care does he care uh, I'm tempted to sing a song I won't but the song isn't called does Jesus care does Jesus care when my heart is is crushed with burdens so heavy to bear and the refrain of, refrain of it says, yes, oh, yes, he cares. Oh, yeah. My, my heart is touched with his grief. Um I know that Jesus cares and that when I pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it addresses that issue of trust. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Christ with the control of my life as I And part of his kingdom. The prayer addresses also the issue of cost. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that answers the question. Does God ask too much? When when I'm willing to pray. Lord let your will be done. I'm relinquishing control. I'm giving that over to God. I'm trusting him in that. But I'm understanding also. That there is no price too great. Because he has paid an ultimate price for me. He has done everything that we need. And so when, when we're willing to pray, let your will be done. Are, are, we, are we courageous enough to trust him to know that the cost is not greater? Giving ourselves to, to the Christ. Someone has said when Christ calls, we have to go, but we don't have to come back. When Christ calls, we have to go, but he didn't say anything about coming back. And that's the cost that may be that we give of ourselves to him. One final piece is that this prayer addresses the issue of change, change in my life, change in my world. What is it that God is asking me to do? When we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, we are simply bringing us to the place of decision. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to say, let your kingdom come, and I know that means my kingdom's got to go in some areas, maybe more areas than you'd like to let go of, but you're willing to yield that to him. This portion of the Lord's Prayer is probably the hardest part for us to pray. It highlights kingdoms in conflict. It surfaces the challenges to the things that we think are comfortable and controlled in this Christian life. And it calls us to the edge of life to walk with Abba Father, in willing submission. The question is, are you willing to walk there with Him today? This is all part of the prayer for the disciples. As a follower of Christ, you're one of them. And the issue is, are you willing to say, Father in heaven, I want to make your name holy, I want your kingdom to come into my life, I welcome it. Because your kingdom is, is a far better kingdom than the stuff that I'm building. I want your will to be done in life because it's far wiser for me to let your will be done so that the things of heaven are now translated into this earthly realm. And it may not be perfect down here. Obviously, the eternal life to come and the kingdom of God in terms of that which is future and planned and promised, that's good, that's great, that's cool, that's perfect. But down here, it gets a little bit muddy. But we pray that God's will will be accomplished in my life so that as we walk day after day, it will be evident that we are followers of the Christ. So are you willing today to walk with him? I want you to pause with me for prayer. Oh, Father, you know the needs of each person that has chosen to be part of this time today. And you know our hearts, you know our needs, you know our journey you know how hard it may be for us to say, sure, let your kingdom come. By all means, let your will be done. When inside, we're still standing up and saying, I don't think so. I like the way I have got my kingdom ordered currently. So my prayer today is that by the Faithful work of your Holy Spirit. Even right now, you'll prompt hearts to be willing to simply say, Okay, Father, I trust you. I believe that your plan and purpose is far better than the stuff that I might fabricate or come up with on my own. So I choose to pray today, let your kingdom come in my life. Let your will be done in my life. And I ask, Father, that you would help each one here today to come to that place where they in the simplicity of faith and prayer, say, Father, I choose to receive the gift of life in Jesus Christ who gave his life for me. I've only been able to mess up this stuff of life and I need your grace and your help and your saving power to change me. I ask you, Father, to just search each heart, ministering to each need, and draw people here today, anew and afresh, to yourself so that, indeed, it's not about us, but it's all about you and your kingdom. May it come and your will. May it be done. In the name of Christ, I pray. Well, may the God of all grace encourage you, attend you as you walk into this week. You enter to worship, you exit to serve. So serve him well. God bless you. Be sure you greet one another in whatever ways you feel socially acceptable to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in grace.